This is the OTP, presented by Farm Bureau Health Plans. Let the experts at Farm Bureau Health Plans coach you through it. When you need great health care coverage at a price you can afford, they've been protecting Tennesseans since 1947. With Amy Wells, I'm Mike Keith, preparing to go to Indianapolis. Woohoo! Where you once lived. I did. I lived in Indianapolis for, I think, 10 whole months. What was the best part of living in Indianapolis? You know, downtown Indianapolis is actually, I think, a very underrated downtown. It's so easy to get everywhere. So you once you put your car somewhere, you can kind of freely roam anywhere downtown. So that was a very nice thing. I really liked living there. The people were nice. It's a very Midwestern vibe, which is something that is very comfortable to me. I really enjoyed living there. I could have lived there long term. Uh, Nashville's way better. (laughs) Once I moved here, I was like, oh. But this is why you're so disappointed that it looks like the Combine is going to be leaving Indianapolis after 2022. Yeah, it really just makes me sad. The Combine is one of those experiences, and this is very me-centric because I know that the NFL will be able to get the evaluations of players and have everything they need and more in every city. But for me personally, Mike – The Combine is where I see all of my friends. Everybody is there, and the way that Indianapolis is set up, everybody is within like a four-block footprint. And theoretically, you don't have to walk outside if you don't want to. You don't have – we've been there when it's been icy, snowy, rainy, you name it. You never have to go outside. The tunnel system that they set up for the Super Bowl in, what was that, 2011, I guess, is – fantastic so you can walk everywhere you never have to go outside and you run into everybody in the national football league because everybody's going to the same restaurants you're all kind of in the same area and everybody's walking so now going to these cities where people will take cars and they'll be driving all over the place and they can spread out it's just not going to be the same but the nfl will make a lot more money yeah they don't even if it ends up going back to indianapolis Mm mm-hmm they will make a lot more money because Indianapolis or whomever bids on it is going to have to pay a lot of money. And from the fan perspective, they're going to be able to invest that much more in making it the big experience that you see at some of these other things, the draft, the Super Bowl, those types of events. So it's going to be a much bigger deal, which will be such a fun experience for everybody. So I get it. I really get it, but I'm so sad. We get it. That you're sad. I am sad. I'm very disappointed. The Colts are calling this game must win. They are using the term must win as they try to draw within one game of the Titans with what will be nine remaining after this one. Does that seem dramatic in week eight? Yes. It seems like a lot. I think it's a nod to the fact that the Titans are two games in front, and it's a nod to the fact that these two teams will not see each other again the rest of the regular season. Might see each other in the playoffs. But the two-game set is done. The Titans won the first one on September 26, 25-16. So the Titans have achieved, at the very least, a half of the season series. If the Titans win this football game, they are, in essence, three and one-half games in front with um, nine to play. Right. And that's a big deal. I mean, that's a very big deal in this 
division. And so I, I understand I understand it's an important game. I understand that it is a game you don't want to overlook. I understand that these teams are similar in a lot of ways and are both kind of on hot streaks coming at each they other. Are. They're two trains that are going really fast and they're going to meet in the middle and somebody's got to win. And I get all of that, but a must win, a must win. That's what they're win? saying. Ah, that it feels it feels like because you're putting they, too much pressure on it. They are saying that more or less if the Colts lose this game, the Colts are saying we've lost the division. And they're not coming out and saying that, right. but but that's what the, they're saying it is so unlikely if you lose this game that you're going to be able to make up three games and a head-to-head advantage, which makes it three and a half games. Yep, I understand. I get it. It feels like a lot of pressure to put on a game, though. Well, these are completely different Colts than what we saw in September 26th. First of all, Carson Wentz has two good ankles. Right. He can move around. He has a 119 passer rating over the last four games. Which isn't great. The Colts have the number two rusher in the NFL in Jonathan Taylor, who's behind Derrick Henry. So this is a battle of one versus two rushers. Their defense has 16 takeaways. They had three in the game against the Titans. They they should have beaten Baltimore. They should be on a four-game win streak. Uh, for more on these Colts, not the Colts that we saw on September 26th, but the Halloween Colts of this weekend, had a chance to visit earlier this week with the voice of the Indianapolis Colts, my friend Matt Taylor. And here he is on the OTP. Matt, let's start with changes to the Indianapolis Colts. These two teams played 29 days ago. So what has changed from September 26th to now about the Colts? Yeah, I think the Colts are a much better football team than the one they saw, than the Titans saw in week three um, in Nashville. And, you know, I've been saying this. It's it's almost as if, Mike, that it's training camp 2.0 for the Colts because their first training camp, they just they didn't get much out of it because, you know, the quarterback was banged up. They dealt with COVID situations. They had a lot of injuries to key players. So it's almost like the first five, six weeks of the season was, you know, it's kind of a start over period in terms of building up synergy and, and cohesion, especially on offense with Carson Wentz. And then he gets banged up with the two ankle sprains the week before the Colts play the Titans in that first meeting in week number three. So I, I just think they're, they've, they've had so much more time on task together in the last month or so. And that's producing some good football, right? I mean, they've won three of their last four. Really, it should be, you know, a four game winning streak if they don't let that Baltimore game slip away on Monday night football when they led that 19 point lead. Uh, slip through their fingers. So they're, they're playing complimentary football right now on, on both sides of the ball. And it's, it's good to see. But I think the biggest catalyst has been Carson Wentz. He's just playing uh, really, really solid football from his uh, quarterback position right now. And uh, I don't know what else more you want in terms of what they're getting out of that leadership role on the offense right now. I mean, if you look at his last four games, he has four straight games with multiple passing touchdowns and no interceptions. And so he's pushing the ball down the field. The Colts are getting chunk play after chunk play, and he's taking care of it. So that just goes to show that he's got command of the offense. He knows what Frank Reich is asking of him. He's taking care of the football. So that's a big. That's the big reason why the Colts have kind of turned it around to a degree. They're three and four, and obviously it goes without saying this game on, on Sunday against Tennessee is a, is a monster game for the Colts. they got to have it if, if they want to get back into the playoff race. First game between the two teams, Matt, we thought – 
that the Colts would run Jonathan Taylor a lot. They didn't do it. Since then, he has run a lot. Why has the second-year running back taken off in the last month? Well, the offensive line is getting healthier, right? I mean, Quentin Nelson was back in the lineup left guard on Sunday night football. But I think just, again, it just speaks to more time on task with that offensive line. Um, You know, they've had a revolving door at right tackle. I think the Colts have kind of finally settled on an answer out there with Matt Pryor. It was Julian Davenport in week three against the Titans. So they have solidified the personnel up front, but Jonathan Taylor is just doing what Jonathan Taylor does. I mean, at the end of last year, he heated up like this, you know, at the end of last season, he had a six game stretch with at least 70 rushing yards and this stretch and three of his last four, he's over a hundred yards rushing um, three of the last four and he's over a hundred scrimmage yards in four straight games. So he is a big play waiting to happen, Mike. As you know, um, so far this season, he has counted for the longest rush in the NFL at 83 yards and the fourth longest catch at 76 yards. And so he is the perfect blend of speed, power, vision. He's got patience in the hole, but then he's got that burst to get through it. Um, So again, just a, a, a fantastic back that is deceptively fast when he has the ball in his hands. You know, he uses that 4.340 speed uh, to really gain some clearance out in the open field. And uh, he is, quite frankly, the best back the Colts have had in a long time, certainly since Edgerrin James. Colts' defense has played some better ball since we saw them last. Matt Taylor, what do you like about Matt Eberflus's unit right now? Takeaway ability. Quite frankly, that's it. You know, they've given up yards and they've given up points at times this season. But th- that that unit just has an innate ability that when when they have to make a play, when their backs are against the wall – they come away with the takeaway. They had four against San Francisco the week before against the Texans. They had three, so seven in the last two games. They have 16 on the season. And the guy that kind of drives the ship in that regard is Darius Leonard. I mean, he is he is so good at being able to, again, just make those clutch plays. You know, he's got three force fumbles, a couple of picks this season, a couple of fumble recoveries. He's been part, he himself has been part of a takeaway play in five straight games. He has eight takeaway plays on the season, Mike. That is more than 15 teams at this point in the season, and he's doing that all by himself. And he's still compromised on that ankle. He had ankle surgery in June, so he's still banged up. He's not 100% himself. You see that kind of when he gets out in the open space, uh, when he has to track something down. He's just not as athletic as he used to be because of the ankle, but he's he's still using those smarts, that, that football IQ, that intellect, um, to use leverage and to get in, into a position where he can come away with a takeaway, and the Colts have needed it. And, you know, it, it sounds crazy, but before the season started, Mike, the Colts had an ambitious goal of 40 takeaways by the defense, and a lot of people laughed at that. It hadn't been done in the NFL since 2012. That's a big-time number. But I tell you what, as I said, with 16 takeaways on the season, guess what? They're on pace for, for 39. So that's been the biggest, you know, calling card hallmark of the defense so far this season is taking the football away. They're going to have to come away with a couple of those if they want to beat Tennessee coming up this Sunday. I want to talk about special teams. Give us an update on the Colts kicking situation. Their primary kicker, Rodrigo Blankenship, is banged up. Um, Again, kind of goes back to bad luck on that Monday night game uh, against Baltimore for the world to see. You know, the Colts had a kicking debacle. They had a defensive debacle. uh, But Blankenship got hurt in warmups, had a hip injury, before that game, and that led to some inconsistency. He has since been put on IR. The Colts have uh, picked up Michael Badgley, uh, the former Charger kicker, 
And uh, ironically, he was with the Colts in 2018 in training camp in the preseason behind Adam Vinatieri that year. So they were familiar with him. They brought him in. He is going to be their kicker for the foreseeable future until uh, Blankenship can come back and get healthy. Um, but he's done a nice job. Hasn't missed a kick in a small sample size in, in two games. Um, maybe doesn't have the leg that Blankenship does, you know, to hit from 55, 57. But he has been consistent, does have range, and he's in the NFL, obviously, for a reason. Um, so, again, in a short short sample size, he's been doing a nice job handling PATs and field goals. And if Titans fans think the name Michael Badgley sounds familiar, that's because he was the Titans kicker in the season opener this year against Arizona. On Sunday, he will kick for the Colts. So a bit of a change there. Uh, let's talk about Frank Reich teams. Why do Frank Reich teams seem to improve, Matt, through the course of the year? Well, I, I think obviously – I think some of it is is sort of coincidence because they unfortunately sustain since 2018 a lot of injuries at the beginning of the season, and so they're, they're trying to recoup from that this year, and so that inevitably uh, allows the team to get healthier and go on rolls at the end of seasons or in the middle part uh, of seasons, which is where we're at right now. I mean, if you go back to 2018, Mike, the Colts were just decimated with injuries at the start of that season that led to their one and five start, but then they got on a roll. They got much better, as you said, and as you're alluding to, they ripped off nine of 10 wins, made the playoffs, actually beat Tennessee in that week 17 win in your end game to, to make the postseason that year. Um, but I think that the Colts sort of embrace the uh, mentality and the mindset of their head coach where they don't get too high. They don't get too low. I mean, if you just watch Frank Reich on the sideline, you know, he's a pretty stoic guy and, and you know that he's not going to, um, you know, freak out one way or, or, or another over a loss or how the game's going. He's a pretty solid, steady individual. And so I think the Colts kind of feed off of that and they sort of embrace that Tony Dungy, um, even keelness, if you will, on the sideline. Um, but he's a great coach. You know, D don't don't misunderstand his stoic nature on the sideline for a guy that desperately wants to win and has a passion for winning and is as competitive as all get out, just like Mike Vrabel and the Tennessee Titans. Um, so it's, it's going to be a fascinating game coming up on Sunday. And uh, again, the Colts sort of personify the, the mood of their head coach where it, it's, it's, it's pretty steady uh, throughout 60 minutes, not too high, not too low. But the good thing is the Colts are making plays right now and they have to. That clutch gene about this team is starting to come to the forefront, much like it did in 2018 when they had to rip off all of the, those wins to get back in the playoff picture. I listened to Frank Reich's post-game talk from San Francisco. Two wins in a row. He seems to feel like they have some momentum going. Am I reading that right? Absolutely. Again, I think the Colts, they, they feel, they believe that they're a much better football team than the team that started 0-3. And, again, a lot went into that. The schedule is absolutely brutal. Um, and, again, it, no excuses because, right, I mean, what Tennessee's going through right now, that's a tough schedule, and the Titans are winning. So, no excuses but they started off the season with a, a tough slate. They, had, they were injured, not a lot of time on task. Carson Wentz is a much better quarterback now than he was at the start of the season because he just has a mastery right now of the playbook and understands the skill players around him. I think a good example of that is the relationship that, that Wentz has right now with Michael Pittman Jr. I mean, so many big plays in the passing game between Wentz and number 11 on the outside. Uh, you saw that on Sunday Night Football in the driving rain, you know, just throw it up for Pittman to go up and make a contested catch, high point the ball, and that's what he's doing. So that's a good example of what the Colts feel like they've gained in the last month or so. 
Now let's talk schedule. Last year, the Titans and the Colts played in November in a 17-day period, November 12th to November 29th. The road teams won both times. This year, the Titans and the Colts will be finished with one another on Halloween. To me, it makes it seem like this game is even bigger because there are nine more games after the Colts and the Titans finish with one another. Do you agree? I, I couldn't agree more. And, I mean, if you just look at the math, this is this is the Colts' Super Bowl. It is. I mean, it, it, it's going to be really tough, Mike, for the Colts to be, if they lose this game, to be essentially three games back. But it's even tougher than that because then they will have no chance at the wild card because of the tiebreaker. Um, and, I, and I think it's going to be difficult based on the parity inside the AFC conference to make the playoffs this year as a wild card team. Therefore, winning the division is probably the best route for the Colts to make the postseason. So again, it's going to be tough to go down three in the standings, but really it's more difficult than that because Tennessee will have both head-to-head meetings and no more chances the rest of the year to gain any head-to-head ground because those two head-to-head matchups will happen within the first two months of the season. So it's sort of a schedule anomaly. Uh, whether you like it or not, that's the way it is. I mean, it's going to be weird that the Colts and Titans are going to be finished playing each other by November, whereas the Colts haven't even played the Jaguars yet. Um, so it is what it is. The Colts know it. And again, this this is sort of, I know there's a lot of football to be played at the end of this game or after this game. You know, you still basically have half the season left, but we all know. I mean, you, 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 can, you can do the math. You can look at the standings. You can, you can see how good Tennessee's playing. They're not going to fade away. The Colts know. The fan base knows. This is pretty much a must-win game for the Colts in order to kind of climb back to the top of the AFC South. That's Matt Taylor with us on the OTP. Remind you that we are on the air at 11 a.m. Central with Amy Wells and Rhett Bryan for Titans Countdown on Sunday from Lucas Oil Stadium in Indianapolis. Kickoff is set for 12.02 Central Time, and uh, we're excited to bring that to you on Titans Radio. Also excited to be bringing you the OTP presented by Farm Bureau Health Plans. You can plan on Farm Bureau Health Plans for better coverage, better rates, and better customer service. They've been providing Tennesseans with the home field advantage for almost 75 years. So starting on Monday, November football. November football. And at 3 o'clock Central time on Tuesday, the trade deadline. Holy smokes, the, it's uh, coming. The Titans fans uh, on the Twitter machine and Facebook and everywhere else are talking trade right now. Would you agree? Holy smokes, you guys. It is It is about that time. It happens a couple times a year. Everybody starts to get very excited about the possibilities of what could happen. And everybody starts to be little general managers in their own homes. So ask me the question. Ask me the question that every Titans fan is asking right now. Ask me the question here for the OTP. Mike Keith, are the Tennessee Titans going to be involved in the trading that happens before the trade deadline on November 2nd? That wasn't really the question I thought you were going to ask. I tried to go broad. You did go broad. Yeah. I think they will be involved, yes. Do I think they will go massive? Yes. Do I think they will make a huge deal? Here's what I would say to that. They did that in June with Julio Jones. Yes. They've already done that. 
it happened. So here are some things to remember as the Titans approach the trade deadline. And if you, the OT people, want to share this with friends, neighbors, relatives, outstanding. (laughs) If you don't, I'm not putting any pressure on you. I don't judge. Um, The Titans Hmm. don't have a second-round pick. Nope. Because they traded that for Julio Jones. The Titans have cap room this year. Um, According to who you read, I don't know the exact figure. They don't give us the exact figures in-house. But I'd say the numbers that you read out there are probably reasonably close. The Titans have had to spend a good bit of money during the course of this season because of all the injuries. So you're going to leave – and the injuries don't seem to be abating in terms of numbers. Maybe they will get better. But you need dollars to be able to bring in capable players to play if you get in those situations. So – If you were to trade for a contract, you've got to be able to fit it under what remains in your salary cap. So you have to keep that in mind. The other thing to keep in mind is the Titans are going to have a lot of work to do on the salary cap in 2022. Right. The number does go back up. Unlike last year where it dropped, it does go back up. But it only goes up to the level that 2021 would have been had there not been a pandemic had there not been the COVID situation. So in terms of how it accelerates on paper, it looks like a nice jump. But for the teams, it's not as big a jump as as what they need because the contracts they already have in place with their best players were accelerating a year ahead based on the fact that if you signed somebody in 18 or 19. You didn't anticipate no, a pandemic you never in thought there would be a pandemic. So – Most of the good teams in this league are going to have a lot of work to do with the cap in 2022. Things get better in 2023. So they have put some things off to the future, knowing that the numbers will go way up, not just the Titans, but other teams. But for next year, there's still going to be work to do. So the point in that is, Giving up a third-round pick or giving up a fourth-round pick or certainly giving up a first-round pick doesn't seem something that would be very likely based on the fact that you are going to need those players in 2022. You've also got to measure what the contract remaining says for the player that you could trade for this year based on the fact that you have to leave yourself room to get through the remainder of the year injury-wise with moves that you're – going to have to make right and then are you taking on a contract potentially that expands next year and you have a player that if you if you trade for him he's definitely on your team a year from now because you're taking on a deal that you can't move around so there's a lot of calculus a lot of choreography here that's why they're this the The football trade deadline is rarely like the baseball trade deadline because fewer teams have cap room at this moment. And it's hard to find a player who would fit in all of those scenarios. Now, if there's a player at a position of need who a team just wants to get rid of, you feel like his 2021 contract fits – Maybe there is no contract beyond 2021, or 2022 is a very favorable contract. 
Would you deal a late-round pick for this player? You might do it. Do I think John Robinson will answer the phone? Do I think he will pick up the phone? Yes. Does that mean he will make a trade? No. Does that mean it's going to be a trade of the Julio Jones ilk, which he's already made in this calendar year? I seriously doubt it. Yeah. So, you know, I've got my my friend Will who works at Kroger. Every time I go into Kroger, he's he's wanting to make a deal. Right. He wants to have a super team like his fantasy team. (laughs) And I get it. As a a fan, we all do. But you can't have everybody – because then that's going to dictate what your decisions are next year. If you make one of those trades, then that means you're automatically saying goodbye yeah. to a player next year. John Robinson never backs himself into the corner, which is why he could make the Julio Jones trade back in June. Yeah, he leaves himself a, a bunch of different avenues that he can go down so when there is a dynamic player like a Julio, not everybody could afford him. No, well, Most people couldn't. couldn't. Couldn't, and they made the deal based on the fact that they had not already redone a bunch of contracts. He made hard decisions to let guys walk right? who they didn't want to let walk, but he knew if we're going to sign Danico Autry, which looks like pretty good. You know. That was a good idea. Yeah. yeah. If you're going to sign Jackrabbit Jenkins, who started every game, if you're going, I mean, if you're going to do these things, then you had to let a couple of the offensive players leave. John's always going to do that, and guess what? He's going to have to do it in the 2022 offseason. Yeah. It's going to happen. And that's hard as a fan. It's hard as a fan, but here's what you need to know: you have a good team. Good teams go through this. Bad teams generally don't. <laughs> that's true. I mean, they really don't. That's true. Yeah. Because you can keep your players because everybody else is right now. A lot through. of a lot of times, your good players will leave because they're tired of losing. Yeah, and if it's dollar for dollar, you're going to take the same money somewhere you feel like you can win. But you think about it, and I'm not even going to go through all the decisions that he has to make in so many different areas in 2022 because we're a long way away from there. But just know, if you sit down and plot them, it's a lot. It's a lot. So, I would anticipate he will listen. I will anticipate he will be involved. But I would not anticipate blockbusters unless he gets a deal that fits all of that criteria. If they want to trade him an all-pro player for a sixth-round pick and the all-pro player's remaining contract is very favorable and his future contract is very favorable, yeah, I'd say he'll do that. Right. I'd also like to be 6'4". Yeah, I understand. That ain't happening. Well, I think it's time for our annual PSA that just because whatever you wanted to happen didn't happen doesn't mean that John Robinson is asleep at the wheel, and please stop saying those things. Well, it's just because you desperately want something to happen. I I get get it. it. Yeah. I get it. But remember, when you say that, he traded for Julio Jones. Yeah. Let's Let's all be realistic here. The crazy trades are probably best suited for your fantasy team. Just enjoy that. Fair. Mm-hmm. All right. That's how I feel with this trade deadline coming up quick. All right. Trade deadline coming up quickly, no doubt. November T- 2nd. Tuesday, 3 o'clock Central time. It all has to be done. I don't think there'll be a lot of trades, period, in terms of major. Now, 
could you get an extra tight end? Could you get an extra offensive lineman? Could you get an extra safety? Or, yeah. I mean, th- those guys are potentially out there, and some teams are looking to stockpile some day three picks. And if you feel like that player can help you win now or could be part of your future, sure, you do that. I think of all the teams, ours is not the most interesting of situations to watch. I don't want to say any names, but Houston. Oh. <laughs> I don't want to name names. Wow. That is something interesting to watch. Very interesting to watch. Yes. Yes, undoubtedly. They're, you know, they've already been in the market trading Mark Ingram to New Orleans. Right. Much to the chagrin of some of their current players. Uh, Doesn't seem to be a happy space right now. No, I don't think so. But, I mean, enjoy the NFC, Mark Ingram. They're probably really happy to have you back. Yeah, he played well for them. Mm -hmm. Sure did. about it. So that's going to do it for this edition of the OTP. Reminding you, Amy Wells and Rhett Bryan with Titans Countdown at 11 a.m. Central on Titans Radio, your favorite stations in Nashville. That's 104.5 The Zone, but there are a lot of great ones throughout the region. Uh, Kickoff with Coach Mack and me shortly afternoon. A big one, a big one, a big one, a big one in the AFC South, Titans at Indianapolis, and we will be there. For Amy Wells, I'm Mike Keith. Thanks for joining us for this edition of the O. Welcome to the big show where the legends go. Everybody knows it's our house. Fighting for Tennessee, making history. Greatness is meant to be ours now. Hey, we got Titan blood running through our veins.